Hey Celebration, hope you guys are having a great day today. I wanna to thank all of you for coming to Celebration today and spending part of your Sunday with us and we're gonna have a great, great service. First of all, I just wanna celebrate all that God did in our Shine Women's Conference. I know that you ladies just had a great, great time. What a great event it was for our girls. And today we have with us one of our Shine guests and a daughter of the house, and that is Mercy Lokalutu. Mercy basically grew up in Celebration Church and now she lives with her husband in Dallas, Texas. But she was back here for Shine Weekend and she comes back on a regular basis. I know that many of you know Mercy. She's the author of a great book. She's a speaker all over the United States now. And so I want you to give her a great celebration welcome right now. As Mercy come on, comes on up to the stage. Come on, Mercy. While you're standing, just stay standing for a second just so we can honor our lead pastors, Pastor Stovall and Carrie Weems. Just let's honor them. They're phenomenal. I just honor you. Thank you. What a privilege. It is to be back home. You guys can take your seats. Such an honor. Honestly, I feel so full. Even after this shine weekend, I bring you greetings from my husband and my two little chocolate nuggets. Isaiah and Ava Pauline. Isaiah is seven now. Ava is four. We do live in the Dallas Metroplex. And Man, have we seen God do incredible things in our lives. But I'll tell you what, every time I walk into this house, I just know I'm home. You know that feeling when you walk home, you take your shoes off, maybe you take the other things off, I don't know. <laughs> You're home, right? You're home. And I love the fact that I get to just share what's on my heart. You know, I was even thinking about just this shine weekend and what God's done in my own life and some experiences I've had. You know, I don't know if any of you have ever, ever endeavored a new thing like, I'm gonna start going fishing, or I'm gonna start planting something. Anyone ever done anything like that? My son and I did that one day. We were like, let's just plant something. I was like, let's plant some basil, because that'll help me with all my meals, because Pinterest only goes so far. And so we started, we got the packet of seeds from a cereal box, and we, 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 we went through all the steps. He had his part to play, and I was gonna water the, the plant, and, and so we started it, we had our pot, we, we put everything together. I started watering this plant week after week. Y'all, two weeks later, there was nothing in the pot. I was like, oh, I mean, we're African. We should be able to plant something. I mean, this is not good. <laughs> week after week, after three weeks, I said, Isaiah, son, let's go back through our steps. What, what did we do? So you had, the, you had the seeds, you put them in the pot, I watered them, and he goes, Mom, I forgot to put the seed in the pot. Son, this is an important part in the process. The seed's gotta go in the pot though. And I think we laugh, but in a lot of ways, church, our lives are just like that. And sometimes we see the seed of our life and we abort the potential on the inside of us because we never planted. You see, you abort the potential and the purpose of a seed if it's never planted in a house, in good soil. Church, Celebration Church is good soil. And not just that, when you plant yourself, when you die to yourself, there is one only love language in the kingdom of God. It's called die to self. <laughs> and when you die to yourself, what happens is that God launches you out because he knows you're faithful in planting. And I thought about that. I don't know where you are in your life. Maybe you, like Isaiah and I, feel some emptiness in your life. Maybe there's some parts of your life you're like, God, I do wanna plant myself, I do wanna obey you, I do wanna be launched out, but there's some emptiness in my life, just like that pot. We stared at week after week. There was some need. There's some things there that needed to be filled. And we're gonna to speak to that this morning. If you've got your Bible with you, 
Turn to Luke 5, it's where we're gonna land. Maybe you've got an iPad, any level of I-ness, all the I people in the house said. There's no condemnation, therefore, in Christ Jesus. It's all good. Luke 5, verse 1, it says, So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he, Jesus, stood by the lake of Gennesaret. It's also called the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little bit from the land. And Jesus sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out. Everyone say launch out. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night. We caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. I love this. Their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. You see, God loves to do unlikely things with unlikely people in unlikely situations to have a very unlikely miracle if we will launch out when he says to. And there's something very significant about planting yourself in a relationship with God, in the house of God, among the people of God before you're launched out. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray and we're gonna go into this message. Message today is called Launch Out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time in your presence. God, I pray, as always, not my words, but yours, God. Not my wisdom, but yours, God. Not my revelation, but yours, God. Father, we know we are sitting under an open heaven. We do ask for an impartation from heaven. We do ask that you visit us. Father, we're not here to do church as usual. We're here to encounter the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one to him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all we could ask, think, or even dare to imagine. To him be all the glory, all the honor, and all the adoration. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. And so Simon, as we see here, is an expert fisherman. This is what he does. This is his job. But it tells us that he has toiled all night. He fishes all night, and he gets absolutely nothing. Has anyone ever been there? You're like, I have been trying so hard. I've been working so hard. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's ministry. I don't know where that place is in your life, but we all have been there at some point. I know I have. You're just trying so hard. If I was Simon, I'd have sold my net and been like, you know what, I'm done with this. Deuces, I'm out. I ain't doing all that. But he doesn't. He gets out of his boat. He starts to wash his net because what you have to understand is that nets, if they were not washed before use the next day, they would start to crack and mold. So he's washing it and stretching it out. That is important. And what I, what I see in this is interesting because whenever the Bible repeats itself, like, you know the Bible will say like verily, verily, or something like that, truly, truly. It's kind of like the Bible wants to call our attention to something because no jot or tittle is in the Bible by mistake. Okay, the Bible, the word of God is inerrant. There are no mistakes. So when the Bible repeats itself, I always pay attention. It's like God is trying to say, show enough for real. You know what I mean? Like that's the mercy condensed version, the MCV. That's how I read it in my head. <laughs> So when it repeats itself, I pay attention. Also, when there's a contrast in the short amount of verses, I always notice it because I see that here. In verse two, it tells me that Simon got out of the boat. In verse three, it says Jesus got into the boat. Interesting. Simon gets out of the boat, discards 
that vessel, discards that season. Some of us are doing that even right now. The season of life that God has called you to, singlehood, marriage, parenting, ministry, I don't know what it is. Some of us are so irritated by it. There's so little fruit coming out of it. We've discarded it. God, I don't want any part of that. I just want out of the season. That's what Simon does in verse two. The very thing that was so disappointing and discouraging to Simon, the fisherman, Jesus gets into the boat and not just that, he then uses the boat as a pulpit. There's now purpose to the discarded vessel that Simon left. Interesting, the situation that was once a source of frustration, once Jesus is in the picture, becomes a pulpit. The lake becomes a megaphone. People are reached by Jesus Christ. Wow, I find that really interesting. You see, what happens if you read it is that once Simon gets out in verse two and is washing his net, Jesus gets into Simon's boat in verse three. Simon then gets back in with Jesus and Jesus says, put out from the land a little bit. What is the difference between the boat that Simon discarded and the boat he's now in? It's this person called Jesus Christ. Man, Jesus is awesome. He gets in the picture. He gets in the boat with Simon. So Simon now has a front row seat to the message that Jesus is preaching. He sits right there. He's listening to Jesus teach the multitudes from the boat. And do you know what, church? The very thing that Simon wanted to go out of is where Jesus plants his feet and creates a pulpit for a message to go forth. That is what happens to our lives. That is what happens to our lives when we plant ourselves in the house of God, when we surrender ourselves fully from God. Every season of your life, every experience you've been through, even those painful ones, God uses them to proclaim his message to the world. How do I know this? How can I say this? It's happened to me. My life is a testimony to that. Simon can t testify to this as well. And so if you're taking notes this morning, the first point is that if we're gonna be launched out the way God has called us to, we have to be intimate with Jesus. Simon was at his feet. He wasn't away, he was right there next to Jesus. Church, there is a difference between being familiar with the things of God and being intimate with the person of Jesus Christ. Let's not get those two twisted. If I call my husband today and, I, I say, and he says, who's this? I'm gonna have some questions for him when I get home. What you been doing since I've been in Jacksonville? He knows me, he knows my voice, he's intimate with me. Church, we have to be intimate with the person of Jesus Christ. That's what the world requires of us today. A verse a day to keep the devil away is not good enough anymore. We need to go from being familiar with the things of God. We know when to clap, we know when to amen, we know what to tweet. We have a picture of our Bible and our coffee, just doing my Devo, hashtag blessed. If I see hashtag blessed one more time, I will punch someone in the throat. It's great to do those things if you're actually doing those things. We want people to applaud our branches and God is saying, I need to fortify your roots though. I need you to be as weighty on the inside as you are impressive on the outside. That takes intimacy with the person of Jesus Christ. That's what Simon sees here. He says, you know what? Now Jesus is in the boat with me. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. And they follow me. Church, it's come a day when the love of our soul wants us to be intimate with him. He doesn't want us to come and do church as usual. He says, Monday, I don't want to date you every Sunday. I want a relationship with you every day. It's not a date that we come in and put on a face and facade and dress up nice and then go home. He's saying, I need you to let me into every area of your life because the truth of the matter, church, is that he uses everything. He uses all the parts of our lives, even those parts that we think, God, this is useless. 
the struggle I deal, I'm dealing with, this addiction, this abuse from my past. God, this little thing I'm doing for church, ministry, whatever, I'm, however I'm serving, God, I don't think it's making a difference. I don't see any fruit. I've been fishing all night. Simon said, I've told all night, Jesus. I haven't caught a single fish. First of all, that's a miracle in and of itself for a fisherman to like, admit that they didn't catch anything. I'm like, well done, Simon. You're a good man. He actually admitted his, his weakness. You see, what he understood is what we need to understand is that he needed to be honest with Jesus. He had to get to a place of intimacy with his father, church. It's not good enough to know the Psalms. We need to walk with the shepherd. Walk with him. Talk with him, the heights and lows of your life. He wants to be there through all of it. He uses every single thing. Nothing is wasted with God. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Even those tears you cry that no one sees, they're watering seed that will bring forth fruit in your future. He uses everything. Those abandoned boat platforms of our experiences, God plants his feet and shows his power and his goodness through those places. You know, wherever you find yourself, maybe your student, your sphere of influence, maybe it's work, maybe it's ministry, wherever you find yourself, know this, God is gonna use every single thing in your life. I think there are things that we think are useless that God does not. I remember a time when, I don't know what happened, I think I was possessed and I said I would cook Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> like, I'm Nigerian, I have no business with, we don't, thank, every day is Thanksgiving in Nigeria, let me just be honest with you. We, 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 we praise the Lord every day, we thank God every day for everything, you know? I said I would cook Thanksgiving dinner for my family. You guys, it was like the outer periphery of hell. <laughs> I cooked for like three days, I think. It was so hot. I'm sweating. It is ugly. My pit, I'm sweating like a man at this point. My husband's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I got this. Of course I'm not okay. I cooked this entire meal, right? All the fixing. And not only did I cook American food, I cooked Nigerian food. You guys need to know something about Nigerian food. It is a process. You fry things and then you boil them and then you fry them again and then you bake them and then you fry, it's craziness. <laughs> Africans in here know exactly what I'm talking about. It's insane. And so I cooked for hours and hours and hours. And guess what? The day after Thanksgiving, guess what this woman was not doing? Not touching a single thing. I was not cooking. I was like, whatever there is to eat in this house, you guys fix it yourselves. So what I would do is after cooking that gigantic meal, instead of cooking again the next day because I was exhausted, I would go into my refrigerator, open it up, look at all of the leftovers, broccoli, macaroni, whatever I had, I would then take out all those leftovers, those things that probably seem useless to be thrown out. I would take them all, put them in a pan, get some cream of mushroom or cream of chicken, whatever I have, pour that on there, Go ahead and put some cheese on it, because cheese makes everything better. <laughs> Let's just be honest. <laughs> put some cheese on it. Put it back in the oven. I'd Google like a really fancy name to name it. <laughs> I would then tell my family, you guys were having casserole de Paris today. And my kids, bless their hearts, are like, oh my gosh, mom, this is amazing. You're the best cook ever. My, husband, my, my son was like, mom, you should go on that show, MasterChef. I was like, you're right, baby. I should. <laughs> and so that's what I would do. I'd put that thing back in the oven when the cheese was just right. You know, when it starts to bubble but not burn. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's gooey but just crisp at the edges. I would pull it out, give it a new name, serve it to my family, and they thought I was a MasterChef. I was not. I was lazy. I'm not cooking. But church, you know that just is what God does with your life. 
He takes the pieces, the discarded things, the things that you put just in front of. I'm just a girl. I'm just a young person. I'm just serving the kids. I'm just changing diapers. I'm just parking cars. He takes all of those things, our past, our sins, our addictions, the things we think are useless, the things we think disqualify us, and he puts them all in his pan. And then, I love what he does. He mixes it all up. He pours the Holy Spirit all over it. The anointing of the Spirit, he pours it all over it. And then he adds some of his grace, unearned, undeserved favor. He adds some of his mercy, the thing that you deserve you don't get, you get what you don't deserve. Because grace and mercy makes everything better. And then he puts you in the oven of trial, the oven of waiting the oven of temptation, and you know what our master chef does? He doesn't leave you there in too long. Maybe you're in there right now, feeling the heat. He's saying, don't worry, at just the right time, I'm gonna pull you out. I'm gonna pull you out of that oven. I'm gonna pull you out of that temptation. I will give you a way out. I will provide for you. What I do in you will be greater than anything that's around you, and you know the best part, church? He puts a new name on us. Oh, he stamps us with himself, and he says, you're mine. You are called by my name. Oh, come on. Let's give it up for God. He's awesome. He is incredible. He uses everything in your life. Those very things that keep you up at night. He says, don't worry, I'm gonna use it. I'm gonna use it, I've got a plan for that. Simon had some need. Simon had some emptiness. He had an empty boat. And God says, I wanna go ahead and fill it. I love what Pastor Stovall always says, God is a filler. He's not a forcer. If you create space, guess what? He'll fill it. He'll fill it. So if you have some space in your life tonight, today, if you have some needs, some empty boat situations, can I just tell you, Jesus, the master of your soul, the architect of the universe, the one who was, who is, and is to come, the miracle-working God will fill that need. He will. He will. There's no doubt about it, but the question is, What is he doing in you while you're empty? What's he doing in you? Is he building you up, getting your character ready for what's about to, what you're about to haul in? Getting, expanding your capacity for the catch that's about to come in, stretching your nets as Simon was doing in verse two, washing those nets, stretching them. Simon didn't know what he was stretching it for. He thought he was getting his nets ready for the next day. Jesus and his sovereignty knew, Simon, you're getting ready for the biggest catch of your life. You have no idea what's about to happen because now Jesus is in the picture. So Simon gets back in the boat with Jesus. And Jesus gives this phenomenal message. And if you'll notice, now that he's intimate with Jesus, in verse three, Jesus asks Simon to do something. He says, launch out a little from the land. A little. Simon's probably thinking, what? Jesus, I don't know if you know this. I know you're a carpenter. I, I, I just said you're the son of God, but maybe you don't know about fishing. Um, so right here in the Sea of Galilee, how we do around here is you gotta go deep to fish. You gotta go out into the deep, and you don't fish during the day, you fish at night. I know you're the son of God, Jesus, I just thought maybe, do you ever do that? Do you ever give God like suggestions? <laughs> like Martha, when Jesus is about to raise Lazarus from the dead, she's like, okay, so Jesus, I didn't know if you knew this or not, but you're late. <laughs> it's the fourth day, and he's dead. He's like really dead though, you know what I mean? And what happens to dead people is that they, there's gonna be a smell, because now they stink. Martha's like, is there some potpourri we can do to fix this situation before you do this? 
I do that sometimes. And God's like, oh, you're so special. <laughs> oh, honey, you're, pre- you're precious. <laughs> Simon's doing a little bit of that. I'm sure he's thinking to himself, Jesus tell me to launch out a little. Why not launch out to the deep where the fish are? Why not fish at night as is our normal custom on the Sea of Galilee? But there's something here for us. Jesus tells him, launch out a little, and he's obedient. Do you know what, church, not only do we need to be, to be intimate with the person of Jesus Christ, the second point today is we need to be obedient and faithful in small beginnings, little things. In the little, Jesus said to him, Simon, launch out just a little, and Simon obeyed. And after Simon obeyed, Jesus preaches this message, and then what does he say? Simon, launch out into the deep. If you're not faithful with the little, Jesus does not give you the capacity to launch out into the deep. You have to be faithful with the small beginnings, with the little things. I think a lot of us, honestly, in our hearts, if we were to be honest with ourselves today, we want to be launched out into the deep. God, I want to raise the dead. I do. I want to heal the sick. I want to do it. And God's saying, well, have you obeyed what I told you to do right now, though? In the little, right where you are. A lot of us think, God, when I get there, I'll sow my life into the church. Once I graduate, God, once I get married, God, once I have kids, church, if you don't do what you need to do right where you are, you won't do it when you get there either. We just won't. There's a lesson in here for us. We've got to be faithful in small beginnings. I don't know where you are in ministry, in your life, maybe in your career. I don't know what you're building right now. Small beginnings are hard. They are. There's a lot of work, very little effort. I mean, very mu- a lot of effort and not a lot of fruit in those seasons. I remember that time in my life. You know, I've always had a dream to reach young people. It's always been my passion. I was like, God, I want to preach to thousands of young people and see young people come to the Lord. And God said, okay, go serve. I was like, yeah, but there's thousands of people, you know, globally, like all over the world. And he said, yes, serve. And so church, what I did in those moments of my life was I started serving. And these girls in the front row can testify to this. I served the young people at this very church 13, 12, 13 years ago, carting young people back and forth to a small Bible study in Lisa Stewart's house, just serving God. I knew what he'd called me to do. I knew the big vision of what he had for my life. But I also knew that I had a word from him that said, serve right where you are with what you have. You see, a lot of times, church, we're looking for something else to get for God, and God is asking us a paradigm-shifting question. What's already in your hand? Pastor Kerry has taught me this in the best way. I live this way with everything that I am. When Moses is at the Red Sea, God did not say, what do you want? He said, what do you have? What is in your hand? I knew one thing. I talk a lot, and I love people. I can use this for Jesus. And so I started talking to young people, and they talk a lot. They text you at two in the morning, all of that. I've created relationships with young people. I did all these things for 13 years I served in this house. Whatever it took, I was like, God, I'm here, help me, use me. And church, can I tell you, now 13 years later, last year, I had an opportunity at a church I've been speaking at in Kentucky in the middle of nowhere. Y'all, in this place in Kentucky, there's not a lot of people with um, the brown complexion. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm saying. And I was probably the youngest person in this church as well. I would preach at this conference, knowing my heart, God, I want to reach young people. Do you know, for three years, I preached at this conference with probably 50 women. And last year, one of the women called me and said, Mercy, Kentucky is now the number one state in America for teen suicide. And a middle school across the street from the house has asked us that when you come in to speak at our conference, if you could go talk to their young people. 
She said, you can't say God or Jesus. And I was like, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> now you're asking for too much. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna go to all the middle schools and all the high schools in Madisonville, Kentucky, and we're gonna ask them if you can come in and speak. Church, can I tell you, last year, I spoke to over 2,400 young people in the public school systems in Kentucky. And not just that, we invited all of the girls to come back for a teen girls conference at the church. Just by an ask, we had over 250 unchurched young women show up to a church they'd never been to before, asked by a crazy loud Nigerian girl they'd never met before. And when I did the altar call, when I just tell you that I was a sobbing mess, there were more girls at the altar than in their seats. These girls don't know when to stand up. They didn't know what worked. They are unchurched. They've never shadowed, their shadows never hit the doors of a church before. And God allowed me in that moment to realize a dream so deeply rooted in my heart for 13 years. But church, it meant I had to be faithful in the small beginnings. And when he asked me to launch out into the deep, I was ready. I don't know where you're at. I'm a, I just I want to encourage you. It's not because I'm a super Christian. Because I take God at his word. He's not a man that he should lie. God can do the impossible. Impossible is actually where he starts. Simon thought it was impossible to catch fish. His nets almost broke with the catch that came in when Jesus got into the situation. Sometimes we just have to remind ourselves of who our God is. There are moments in my life I just stand back and I say, girl, who is your daddy? Like, why are you acting cray right now? You need to settle down. It's God. We're talking about the God of the universe. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He was, he is, he always will be. He can't change. Even when you're faithless, church, he remains faithful. Why? He cannot deny himself. It's who he is. He can't be any less of who he already is. I don't know what you're believing God for today. Can I just tell you, our God is a miracle working God. There is no expiration date on the promises of God if you will be faithful right where he's called you. Maybe it's in this house. Maybe he's called you to serve and you've been despising it and be like, I don't want to change diapers. I don't blame you. I don't either. But someone's got to do it. And when we serve, we become more like Christ because he came not to be served, but to and give his life as a ransom for many. So Simon sees this about our Jesus. Simon launches out a little bit, a little bit, and then God, Jesus tells him, launch out into the deep. Zechariah 4.10, I love what it says. Do not despise the small beginning. For the eyes of the Lord rejoice to see the work begin. He rejoices and the work we're called to church is not just any work. It's not a work that has no effect. Our work has eternal implications. There's a world out there that's watching us in these abandoned vessel moments. There's a world out there that's watching us as we pull to the shore with no fish in our boat. Because what happened with Simon? Once the boat was filled with fish, the Bible says he signaled to his friends. I love that the Bible says that. I take particular attention to that because it doesn't say he called to his friends. It says he signaled. It's almost as if Simon was rendered speechless by what he just saw. Have you ever been there? Just stunned by God. It, come, it came to the point where the, the people, his boat is like sinking. And he's like, I have those moments. People ask me, how are you over here speaking here? How are you traveling the world? How did you write your first book? And I think to myself, There's only one name I can say, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Simon experienced this. 
Launch out. Everyone say launch out. Launching out means you gotta be intimate with the person of Jesus Christ. We're not launching out to be boastful. We're not launching out to extend our own agenda. We launch out because there are people that Jesus needs us to reach with his miracle power. You see, I think we get a little confused about miracles. I come from a very charismatic background where we confess everything. Like, if your car broke down, just confess the enemy's not trying to kill you. I'm like, well, maybe your car just broke down. I don't know. And, and sometimes, I feel like sometimes we are chasing after miracles and wonders. The Bible does not say that. It does not say you will follow signs and wonders. It says signs and wonders will follow you because you're following him. They should follow us because what they do is point to a greater reality, which is Jesus Christ. When Simon had this encounter, people knew it wasn't Simon. His boat was empty. Jesus was now in the boat. The fish came in. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. He was the difference maker. See, miracles follow us so that we can point people to him. But for miracles to happen, there has to be a convergence of power and authority. You see, power and authority are two different things. We can have the power of God on the inside of us. But if we don't have the authority of God to walk in certain things, we can't see miracles. It's not something you manufacture in your own strength. It's like a car. You have a 600 horsepower Corvette. Is that fast, by the way? I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sounds fast. I'll go with it. You rev the engine, you feel the power of the vehicle, right? If you get to a red light, no matter how powerful that, that vehicle is, it does not have authority to go through that red light. You see, it is discernment and intimacy with God that tells you when the light is green. You can have all the power you want. We have power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of us. Yes. But there's moments like Simon had when he asks us to launch out because he needs his power to be displayed to a greater degree so the world around us can see whatever's on the inside of them, I want. We need a convergence of power and authority. Does anybody want that in their life today? It means we have to be intimate with the person of God. We have to be intimate with him so that we are full of his power. We're in his word. We're intimate. We know his voice. And when the light turns green, we hit the gas. We're going through miracles, signs, wonders, healings, deliverance. That is our portion. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be showing our world Jesus. Man, I love the story. It fires me up. Simon. Involved in this miracle, he needs other people to come in and bring in the hall. He's no longer a reservoir. He's now a river of living water flowing out to those around him. It's beautiful. It is a beautiful thing. Church, God is setting you up today to launch out. No doubt, maybe personally, maybe in your ministry, maybe in your career, it's going to take being intimate with the person of Jesus Christ. I really believe that's where some of us are today. We've just been familiar with God, we know about God, we know about the house of God, we know about serving, but we're not intimate with the person of Jesus Christ. It's that personal encounter that helps you know when the light is green, that helps you know when to be faithful in little things, that helps you know when to launch out into the deep, it's discernment. You see, wisdom is not the one who knows the most, wisdom is the one who chooses the best. And those choices are, are, are aligned with a relationship with Jesus Christ. I cannot tell you, church, how fulfilling it is for me to be back in this house. This is a house where I was formed. My maturity as a Christian. To know all the things God has put in my hand. Church, it did not start today. I didn't prepare for a message today. That happened years and years ago. At every point you say yes to God. A whole lifetime of yeses becomes the will of God for your life. That's really all it is. I don't know where you are. Maybe there's some emptiness in your own life. 
Maybe like Isaiah and I, you're going past your life like looking at that pot where the plant should be and there isn't one. And maybe, just maybe, it's because you haven't actually put the seed in the ground. You haven't actually died to yourself. You can't live your life your way. There's no way. There's no such thing as your own thing. I hear young people say, I'm just doing my own thing. No, you're not. No, you are not. If you're not doing God's thing, you're doing the devil's thing. There's no, there's, there's like no middle ground there. But God loves you. God loved Simon. Can you hear the love in, in Jesus' heart for Simon? He says, Simon, launch out a little. I need you to have some intimate time with me. Sit at my feet right here. You get a front row seat to the message I'm preaching today. And now, as that message empowered him, he said, now, Simon, launch out into the deep. And what happens in Luke 5, once Simon does that, I so love it. Says Simon, launch out in the deep, and he says, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word. Some of you need a word from God today. You don't need a secondhand message. You know, someone's secondhand revelation can't give you firsthand freedom. You just need to go ahead and go to the shepherd, go to the source for your own self. Nevertheless, Simon says, at your word, not at the pastor's word, not at the podcast's word, at your word, Jesus, I'm gonna go. For some of you, that's where you are. You need an at your word moment, drawing close to the source. At your word, he says, I'll let down the net. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. I wonder if he had not stretched his net out in the beginning, if it would have totally broken at this point. I don't know, maybe. But nothing is wasted with God. He uses everything. Those things you think are useless, God says, no, no, no. That's useful. You're not enough. In the hands of a God who is more than enough will bring forth fruit and much fruit. And not just that, it will be a testimony to those around you. It says, you know what? Jesus is in that person. They're different. There's something different about them. And so he signaled to the partners in the other boat to come and help. The Bible says that they came, they filled both boats, so they began to sink. At the end of this, Simon kneels down and he says, Jesus, Master, he says, have mercy on me. Simon understands it's not about more boats and more fish. That was not the issue. In that moment, Simon knew Jesus is what it's all about. When we understand what this God has done for us, that when he went to the cross, he was not just a picture of sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he who knew no sin did what? Became it. He became it. He didn't just die for you, church. He died as you. He died as me. Wow, what's our response to this God? He's saying, I need you to be intimate with me. It's time for intimacy with the person of Jesus Christ, not familiarity. It's time to be faithful right where you are with what is in your hand. I don't know what it is in your hand, but whatever it is, it's not useless. It's useful in the hands of our God. So if you would just bow your heads right where you are. Now I wonder if as I'm talking, if you would say, Mercy, you know what? I already know I'm not intimate with this person, Jesus. I've never actually made a decision to surrender myself to Jesus Christ. Being a good person is not what does that for you. Being in church does not make you a Christian. It's a decision that you have to make in a room this size. I know that some of you, that's your first step of launching out. It's to make a decision to surrender yourself to Jesus Christ either for the first time 
or maybe you've made that decision at one point, but if you're honest with yourself right now, your conduct no longer lines up with that confession. And you need to rededicate yourself to the Lord. Do not let this moment pass you by. God loves you. He's chosen you specifically to be here. It's not an accident. And so if that's you and you know, Mercy, I need to make that decision for the first time or rededicate myself to the Lord, just raise your hand right where you are. Boldly, yep. Boldly, put it up high, yes. Hands up all over this room. Yep. Keep raising those hands. God sees them. There's a party in heaven right now for you. It's gonna count down from five. Yep, it's never too late. Five. Yep. Four. Three. Two. Yes. Awesome. One. Put your hands down. Man, that is amazing. If you raised your hand, to make that decision. Just say this prayer with me out loud. Don't be ashamed. You're in a, in a body of believers who love you and support you. Say it out loud and mean it with all of your heart. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I want to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ all the days of my life. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, and I am saved. Amen and amen. Come on, church, can we give it up? So awesome. If you would just rise to your feet right now. I really believe that some of you in here need an encounter with this person, Jesus. This is the moment. We're gonna go into one more song of worship. Do whatever you need to do. If you need to come up to the altar, great. If you need to stay where you are, phenomenal. Do whatever it takes to get to God. As we go to this next song, let's just pray. Father, we thank you for this time in your presence. God, we want to be launched out into the deep. Lord, we know you've called us for such a time as this. Help us be intimate with you, God. Help us be faithful in the little. Help us know that no matter what happens, you use everything for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.